Welcome to Voices of E-Learning, reflecting the people living and breathing the future of education and online learning with your host, J.W. Marshall. Hello and welcome everyone to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, J.W. Marshall with Market Scale, and we've got a great guest lined up for today, Tyler Small. He is the founder, he is an author, and the CEO of The Five Star Approach. Tyler, how are you doing today? Oh, so good, JW. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And today we're going to talk about, uh, you've guessed it, the pandemic and how it's affected building relationships in the workplace and some really interesting uh, developments with most of the country still working virtually um, and how you can have better relationships in the workplace through e-learning and through um, some real proven strategies. Before we get into that, uh, I'd love to just give Tyler a, a chance to explain a little bit about the company and maybe before that, uh, give us a little background on yourself. Sure, sure, of course. So um, I started out in my during my bachelor's degree, kind of lost. I was really looking for, I wanted to study learning and you know, what are the things that, that humans need to learn and, and how can we best, most efficiently learn those things? And uh, I saw that, you know, the the, tr- the traditional university system isn't, isn't the greatest for doing that, especially for helping us to, to change our lives or to actually change the work that we do. And so I, I, I searched and I, I got into neuroscience for a while and, and, and that wasn't... Uh, that wasn't answering my questions. It was too molecular. It was too cellular. And, uh, and and finally, I found this master's level program that was called Instructional Psychology and Technology. I was like, what in the world is that? <laughs> but I, I, I investigated and I found that it was it was basically uh, the closest match to what I was looking for to help to the, the science and the psychology and technology of how to help adults learn uh, how to do things, the performance improvement and all that. And, and so I went through and I did a bunch of research on theory and, uh, and, and did a bunch of projects. And then I got into uh, the banking world, help de- designing training for, for Bank of America and uh, developed training products for other large, large scale companies and, and then branched out into higher ed and, uh, and some other industries, healthcare and, uh, and finally, uh, I, I really settled into my groove in uh, in the leadership development space, and I really that my favorite, my favorite, my biggest passion is helping helping individuals and organizations develop those those soft skills. Sometimes we call them leadership skills. Sometimes we call it emotional intelligence or EQ. Um, and, uh, and and that's 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 really my groove. That's that's what I love the most. And that's a perfect lead-in uh, to tell us a little bit more about the five-star approach. Oh wow! So I'm just holding my first book here, and um, the five-star approach was was born of failure. Really, I I had spent uh, so much time trying to figure out, you know, how to develop social skills because um, I don't I'm not one of those people who who naturally has social skills. I had to to work. I've had to work very hard over my lifetime just to kind of get to that normal range. And, uh, and, and I was working on uh, a book, a parenting book, personal project that used some of the, the principles that I had used in my leadership development career. 
And so I was, I was writing some of these things down and I had this, this, this draft and I was so proud of it. And it was something, it was called something like 40 tools for raising leaders, something like that. And, and I was so proud of it. And I, and I went and I would go, go down, you know, to eat lunch or, or dinner with my kids and hang out with them. And I would find myself thinking, oh, oh, okay, somebody's upset or, or this isn't going very well. What, which, which tool was it that I was supposed to, there were way too many. And, uh, and so I ended up scrapping the whole thing and, and restarting from scratch. And I create, and I, and I went back to the, back to my, my experiences with leadership development. I went back to my, my education and research on, on learning theory. And I said, this is, this has got to be so simple that even someone like me can can apply it in any situation. So I created these three steps and and it, I knew it could be only three steps, right? <laughs> and so it's open, deliver and follow up. And I and I and I've I've written about these three steps and and that that's like the rubber hits the road of the five-star approach is o- opening up the conversation, opening up to the other person's perspective creating a plan to give them a five-star experience doing whatever that was while, while checking in to see if you're on target and then following up to see if, if you created the experience for them that was truly a five-star experience. So, so that's the rubber hit the road, hits the road part of it. And then the other part of it, and, and I say that I applied this to, to, to children, to parenting um, from the leadership development world. I also have written a book that I'm, I'm just publishing soon for, for couples using the same methodology. And I've written those two books. I, I love them. They're great books as practice for the, the main show, the, the, the leadership world, the professional world where, where, uh, where most of my experience lies. And, and so the five star approach is a way that to build relationships in the workplace or elsewhere that's easy that that's easy to remember and easy to do and i call it the easiest way to build a five-star relationship that's amazing and i'm assuming that this uh structure works whether you're in person uh with your family or at your workplace or as many of us are here in 2020 professionally uh working in virtual teams that's right that's right so uh, it's it's funny. My uh, a lot of my experience comes from being a, a remote consultant, or working in a co-located team, but delivering my products, my uh, and programs for distributed teams. So everything that I've had to build, uh, I wouldn't say everything. Most everything that I've had to build is in the in the form that can be consumed virtually by people who are not having the luxury of working together. And, and this is just, just another example of that. So I've utilized, um, the, a lot of principles of e-learning and how to, how to flip the classroom, so to speak, and how to, um, boil things down and into engaging videos. And then how to, um, I've got coaching components that are embedded in, into real life so that they're very short. They're in 15 minute blocks and there's a structure to that. And, uh, in, in, in service of the fact that people still have a bunch of meetings, they still have to get a bunch of stuff done. Um, and so everything's, everything's virtual. And I have this platform, in fact, that has everything encased and it allows the person to track 
um, using their mobile device or desktop to track these these little activities and uh, and just to it's called micro journaling to write down like two words about it in order to remember to review it later and go through it and so I've I've, I've encased all of this in a platform actually that that's designed for people who are are busy and they they might be working you know thousands of miles apart they might be on their phone some of the time and so um this is really designed for the virtual worker who has either um virtual experiences or uh face-to-face -face experiences or both and i uh i brought some some ways that i've encouraged uh some of my participants to utilize in order to build um build these relationships and this sounds like one of the best uses I've heard on our show of e-learning, of being able to take this content and make it digital. I have to ask, um, have you seen uh, kind of a, a loneliness in this pandemic with everyone being um, apart from being, oh, I don't like to say socially distanced, but physically distanced? Um, is there a social disconnect as well that we're seeing? And, and how can a program like this help address that? Oh, oh, it's absolutely true. And in fact, you, you, you look for the new buzzwords and we see Corona everywhere. We see COVID-19 everywhere. Um, uncertainty has become, you know, a huge buzzword that we see and loneliness as well. Loneliness is, is what kind of has happened as we, as we're, uh, as we're getting through the, the current chaos and preparing for the new normal. And it's, it's manifesting itself just about everywhere we can look because of course of the the limited social interactions and and so this really calls for new ways of new ways of connecting in the workplace um, and in some of the ways that I've encouraged people to do this because whether whether you're using the five-star approach or, or something else you need ways to to build socially and and so some of the ways that, that I've used in the past and that that I, I've been you know, mentored from, from people who are smarter than me to do are to build it into meetings. And, and it's, it's sometimes it feels a little more formal to say like, oh, well, let's have a meeting. It, in the old world, we'd, we'd meet in the hallway. There was a water cooler. There was a vending machine. You know, there was the copy machine. And, and so there were all these places that you would kind of meet up in the intersections of, of the campus or the building where you worked. And, and now we have to kind of invent these new ways. Um, and so it, it looks very different. Um, some of the ways that, that, I've, uh, that I've recommended to people, uh, I'll just go through a few of them. So there's the, hey, do you have a minute to chat, right? It's, a, it's the IM that comes through whatever you use, whether it's texting or Slack or Teams or whatever it is. And it comes through and you just, hey, do you have, and you can also watch people's statuses to, to time those. So you're looking for the green, the green light or you're, you're checking your shared calendar if you're lucky enough to have one. Say, so, oh, okay, they're not in a meeting. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to um, just ask uh, if they have a minute to chat. And so you're, you're, you're asking if you can basically call them. Hey, can I call, can I give you a call in a minute? And, and, and that's a way that's just easy to open up the door to just have that spontaneous conversation. Uh, another is to, in the beginning of a meeting, especially, so a lot of these conversations to build a relationship, you want to have a one-on-one -on -one call. So if you're, if, you're, if you're specifically working on improving the relationship, 
managing expectations, that sort of thing. So you can say, you get on a call and you say, hey, um, I've got something to, to ask you about. It's, it's, it's unrelated, but I wonder if we could spend five to 10 minutes at the end of this hour, if, if we have time. And a lot of time that that creates this uh, this curiosity, right? So sometimes the person says, "Well, well, yeah, this this sounds really exciting, really interesting. Like I really want to know." And so let's let's do it now, you know. And that's okay. Or they 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 are prone to make space at the end of the meeting. Um, another way that's uh, that's sort of in the middle of of formal and informal is is uh, it can seem more formal, but if it depends on what you call it. So if you call it like a uh, catch up meeting, right? And I know uh, one particular, uh, my old my old boss at, at WGU, Evan Pincus, is an amazing director of learning and, and talent development there. And and he has a system where he just puts on his calendar every other week or so, um, or every every week he talks to certain people, and then every other week for for others, and then uh, every month or so for others. And so depending on the criticality of the work that they do and how closely he he works with them and as well as you know how much uh joy you know that they bring in, into his work he he wants to he wants to benefit from other people's positive emotions right and so he has this this schedule that's easy because it's it's on the books and it's 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 set ahead of time and he's just he's reached out to these people one by one and so he has the the normal sort of cadence that he would typically have I mean, it's it's more random when it's in the hallway, right? But he's figured out, okay, well, normally I would bump into this person about this many times and I'd spend about this much time talking to them. And these are the people. So he's very intentional. He's very deliberate about who he reaches out to. And I thought that was a great model for maintaining those relationships. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll add one to that and get your thoughts on it. Uh, at market scale, our, our HR department is very creative. And um, they've started a coworker conversation every Wednesday at noon. They'll randomly pair everyone up in a spreadsheet and provide, you know, three to five questions. You know, some are professional, some are improving our company or new product ideas, and some are personal um, about personal growth and, you know, what are we looking forward to post-pandemic, things like that. And um, they've been really amazing um, for folks that would have been passing in the the hallways and the water cooler um, from different departments, oftentimes to uh, get to uh, have those conversations. And then we email them out to the entire company, which, uh, you know, you can imagine takes a lot of uh, time to read through them, but they're so interesting. And not only are they connecting those two people, but really they're connecting the entire company to see, oh, what's their favorite TV show or what's one thing that they would, uh, you know, do if they could do anything as far as a new learning course, things like that. Um, so yeah, maybe that's something else we could share with our audience that uh, is a way to be intentional with this connection in a virtual world. Boy, that is very cool. I, I love that. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna permanently add that to my my repertoire. There, I love it. Um, another thing that people um, sometimes, you know, sometimes it might seem natural to to me because I, I do this so often, but uh, just it's. It's worthy of mention, I think, something that I've, I've pushed for a long time in the programs that I've done is in all, in, in all the leadership coaching that I've done is that when you meet with somebody, the best possible meeting that you can have virtually is is an eyeball to eyeball like web conference. It's when when you can see their face and they can see your face. And that's as close as it gets to 
a natural human, you know, live uh, connection that's that's not facilitated by technology. But technology can do so much more than we give it credit for. I think on a daily basis. I've been in some companies where you know I've worked with them and they're they're really making a lot of momentum where they're moving towards that. I've worked with some companies who almost always are face to face and I've also worked in companies where they were typically just on the phone and there was a huge difference in the cultures there. And I'm not sure if it was, you know, a, an origin, a source of the change or a symptom of of the poor culture but versus the the better cultures that it it seemed like there was a huge correlation there. Absolutely. And one last thing before we move on to our next topic, um, it seems like there's been more of a culture of caring in this 2020 pandemic, especially as I've talked a lot with school leaders, where they'll start their class or start their administrator meeting with, how's everybody doing? You know, like, really, how are you doing? Are you holding up? Is everything okay? Because they've realized that that's the foundational piece before you can get to the business, before you can get to the learning in the classroom, that you need to kind of check in that emotional level. Um, is that something you've been seeing as well? I have, and, and I've been hearing that uh, from many. It, it And probably everyone's had the experience where someone's asked you like, oh, oh, how are you doing? Or they even do it regularly at the beginning of meeting, but you know they don't care. And you know they don't care by their response, you know, and you're like, oh, well, my cat died. And they're like, okay, that's great. So anyway, uh, you know, and on to the work, <laughs> on to the work. So I have, uh, I have felt an increased um, sensibility and increased sense of empathy from from many. And and I would say to to those who haven't gotten there yet, because you're trying to separate professional from personal, like it is totally okay to spend a few minutes on that. Um, it's within the boundaries of of professional communication, and just spending a minute on it and. Um, and then if you need, if you, if the fear is, oh, I don't want to go down that track and waste a bunch of time, then you can use transitions like, okay, well, man, I could, <laughs> I could go on with you forever about this um, or all day about this. Is it okay if we transition to, to our topic? And if you, if you put a smile on your face, whether you're on the webcam or, or just on, on the phone, then people can hear you smiling. And uh, that, that helps a ton as, as well. And if you do go an extra five minutes, that probably has cleared the way to then get to the work, whereas that might have been something that was distracting to someone and they weren't going to be productive for that 30 or 60 minute meeting as well. So uh, kind of an ounce of prevention there, you know, is actually going to provide better meetings and and better interactions. Um, I want to now shift gears to the leadership, to the soft skills. Um, That has always been a little bit of a fuzzy area as you can probably attest to, as far as how do you measure it and can you measure it? And how do you make sure that you're seeing the value from what you're learning and um, you know track your, your growth over time? Um, is that something that the program addresses? Absolutely. It's, it's at the core because it's always been something that's really bothered me actually in the, in the leadership development industry. You look and you see a lot of people up on the stage and and giving these these quote workshops, and they might do a little bit of practice here and there, but really it, it's a it's a fuzzy kind of feel good experience. They're telling some stories, and they're giving you some some really intelligent, clever sounding concepts, and and then you go back to your desk, and, and you feel like you've been really enlightened. But 
your ability to lead and interact with people hasn't really improved. Um, and if it has, you couldn't really tell what the impact of that was or, or if it had improved substantially or if it, if it was lost over time. So what I've done uh, with the five-star approach, and sometimes I call it the five-star approach to leadership because that's the core of it, is really to, to get to capture and operationalize those interactions at the at the transactional level, and and when I say transactional, I don't mean in a sense of uh, tit for tat, kind of you do this and I do that, but rather at the fundamental interaction of hey, we're having a moment together, we're having an experience, and I want to be able to to know if I'm creating a great experience for you and how great it is, and and what that means for you, and and how to replicate that. And if it's not that way, how to, how to improve it? How do I change the way I'm providing this experience? And what I've done is, is the five-star approach includes asking the person, hey, what can I do to create a five-star experience for you? Or if you think you know, um, and it's that open step, the first step, it's that as if you think you know what it might be, you'd say, hey, if I did this, w- would that be a five-star experience for you? And 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 then asking them, you know, through this process, doing it and saying, "Hey, is this is this a five star experience for you?" And then in the follow up, um, "Hey, how would you rate that experience?" And and you'll get a lot of threes and fours and four and a halfs, and 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 the best is the five, right? And so you're asking when they give less than a five, you're asking, "Oh, well, what can I do either this time or next time to change it to make it to make it a five? So it's inviting this feedback. A lot of um, corporate cultures in the talent management um, industry, we, we call this continuous feedback. It goes from from the old days when there was this um, kind of once a year butt kicking that would happen for the performance review um, to, to more of a modern approach that's more of a continuous feedback model. And this continuous feedback model is very numbers-based. Um, it's not of much use to the people who are super charismatic and they kind of can read a room just by sensing it. Um, and they have these natural born, you know, charismatic social skills from birth, but it's more uh, beneficial to people who are a little bit more analytical or you're working with someone who's more analytical and, and you're just trying to put a finger on what's, what's going on. So it, it puts a, it puts a number there and allows you to, to crank up that dial very, very tactily. Absolutely. And, and it seems like it would be something good for, for everyone, um, you know, no matter what level of management they're at or what their, you know, career stage is. Um, is this really a program that everybody can take something away from? Oh, yes. And uh, and I think a lot of time it starts with, with you and your boss. You know, you're working on, I need to make my boss look good, you know, and that's how I can be most valuable. Um, or I need to provide value for my boss, however you look at that. And then, um, but then there's also going to be this, this bottleneck, whether that's your boss or a team member or someone on your boss's team or another team, you know, there's, there's always going to be this bottleneck in your, in your relationships. Like, oh man, that's the bottleneck that that's keeping me from performing. This relationship is, is keeping me from performing at my best. And so locating that bottleneck and sometimes it's it's a direct report, someone who reports to you, um, but finding that bottleneck and then working on that particular relationship, not all relationships, not your top 
seven relationships, but working on one, prioritizing one relationship at a time and moving it from, uh, from wherever it is now up to five stars. And that's where I use the, the ultimate relationship question. And the ultimate relationship question is on a five, on a scale of five stars, how would you rate our relationship? And this might sound like a super scary question, right? But I've had a lot of people have success asking this question and it, and it, and I set them up to ask this question and then use the sidekick question, which is, well, what can I do to make it better? And then, and, and any apologies, of course, if, if necessary, but using the ultimate relationship question and its sidekick question allows you to get a baseline on where the relationship is and then some direction for, for where it needs to go. And, and a third question I, I would add that can be helpful is, well, what does that look like for you? And so getting some, some high level direction there and then using the, the three steps open, deliver, follow up to make these five star experiences on a daily basis so that the next time in a week or so that you ask that question, it's then, hey, we've, you know, we've had some good experiences together. Like, remember this? Remember this? Yeah. And, and was, was this one really like, it was, it didn't seem like that much to me, but what in there it's like, like, yes, yes, it was, it was great. And then asking with that, with that anchoring and all these positive experiences, focusing so much on the positive and then asking again, well, I wanted to ask you again this week on a scale of five stars, how would you rate this relationship? And they're able to then see how it's changed. And once you get to five stars, it's like, I think a lot of people would think, oh, it's like losing weight. Once you get down, it's great. But then it's like holding up a heavy thing and, and you get, you get eventually get tired and have to put it down. But, um, with this, it's, it's more like taking rocks out of your backpack or, or using automatic windows or a refrigerator versus, you know, having to go and buy your food every single day. It's, it's much nicer. It's much more convenient. It's just an easier way to live and do relationships. Absolutely. And I'm assuming that once you reach five stars, that's not the end. It continues day after day, week after week to check in and ask that question. That's right. Or does the question become less frequent once you've kind of reached a good place? You know, I think it can become uh, less frequent. And I think that there are a lot of ways that um, between you and the other person, you, you pick up things and as you go and, and you learn, you learn how to take shortcuts and do all this in, in uh, a compressed amount of time where in the beginning it's, it's formal and you, you might be using certain language. Um, as you go over time, you're figuring out ways to, um, you know, to do it that are, that are easier and more convenient and, and meet the, the, the style of, you know, the way the other person communicates and the ways that you can communicate with them. And, uh, for example, uh, you know, sometimes I'll send someone, uh, in a, in a text message, I'll send them, you know, five little emoji stars. And it's like, they know, like, oh, that means I, I had that Tyler had a five star experience. Like, oh, good. Like I'm just thanking them for, for something, or they, they let me know that they got something done. And so I'm, I'm sending that over. And so there's a lot of ways to, to put less effort in and get, get the same amount of, of value over time. Absolutely. And uh, 
what would be some advice if you know you've got a relationship that is a one? Do you still ask? Do you still go through the process as is? Are there any modifications you would make if you know if you're in kind of a troubling relationship or a relationship that was good and now there's been some fallout and there's work to do? Or does the, the system kind of work no matter what star you're at? It's It, it really works no matter where you're at. So um, part of this came from a book by Marshall Goldsmith. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am. Yeah. So those. But our audience may not be. You want to give a little context? Yeah. So so Marshall Goldsmith is is this uh, guru of executive coaching, and he coach he's coached numerous of the Fortune 500 CEOs. He charges two hundred fifty thousand dollars for his fee, right? And he'll coach someone for twelve to eighteen months. He 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 says. He says, take my advice. It's free. Run with it. You know, I've had my, my, my thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to use some things from Marshall Goldsmith because he, he knows what's going on. He's, he's, his specialty is working with leaders who are pretty smart. They're pretty accomplished. They're high performers, but they're just kind of jerks. And, and they've, they've really ruined relationships. And so, that, that's that's where a lot of this came from was that first you have to build a baseline you have to get this understanding of like of saying like look I'm I'm working on some of my relationships I know that I've messed up I need to improve and and I was wondering you know if you could just give me a little bit of advice um, and I find that advice is an easier word to ask for than feedback because for some reason in our culture, Feedback has become this this really terrifying word, and you know the the people who are like sales champions who can take like the ultimate rejection. They're like, I eat feedback for breakfast, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, talking even using that word, it's become this you know this uh, this really love vulnerable topic. But calling it something like advice, it helps the other person feel your respect for them. And, and it's a little easier just to say and to navigate through. So, And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are thinking, I know someone else that needs to do this. What advice would you give to, to those folks? Uh, and my guess is that if you know someone else, that it's probably you as well. And, and maybe the best way to get them on board is to, to control what you can control and use the five-star approach with them in kind of hopes that they would reciprocate. Oh, oh, yes. And... And, and this is this is really really fascinating work to me because I, I've worked with a lot of relationships, um, professional and otherwise, where the person will say, "Well, you know, I went in and I I was pretty sure that I had a a, a pretty solid relationship with this person." They ask the ultimate relationship question, and they get an answer like three or three and a half, and they're like somehow I didn't expect that. And I thought, you know, that I had provided or contributed more to this relationship. And over and over again, it's like, you know, and I've had the same experience for people I've supervised and whatnot. I'm like, Ooh, I, I need to, I need to do something different here. And so I work through and I get the, I get that, that advice from them and uh, feedback, if you will. But, um, it it's something that that each of us can can use in our relationships and we don't realize it but we we all need it in some form or another even if you don't use the 
the particular language of like five stars. Sometimes some some people it just grates on their nerves to use numbers when they speak. They're not they're not numbers oriented people, but but you know all of this language can be adapted for the situation. And um, but to answer that question specifically, you know what happens then? Um, there's there's this this byproduct in the five star approach where your your the assumption is one person you know it takes two to tango it takes two to tango but at the same time one person can catalyze a five star relationship it really takes just one person to kick off the ball in the right direction and and the byproduct of all this of all this focus of i'm working on the relationship i've made mistakes i'm working to be better i need your advice um all of this works to the benefit where you know you're trying to create these five star experiences and you're trying to contribute more to the relationship what is the other person saying when you're doing all this they may say in the beginning especially if if it's been bad they may say oh this person's just they're just trying to kiss up or this this person yeah they may have all kinds of assumptions because they may in fact especially if the relationship is very poor they may have labeled you as a bad person and that that's basically what we do for people who we don't get along with we're like oh that that's a bad person and so so by by doing all this and expressing the intent of hey you know i know i've messed up i i want to be a better team member um and doing all these things what it produces is the other person starts to question their their assumptions and they think or they or they say oh well Tyler, I used to think that Tyler was a, a bad person, but he's really changing. He's he's really made some differences, and uh, he's not such a bad person anymore. And uh, you know, I don't think there are really any many bad per people in the world. I think almost all people are, are very very good when you know when you you give them the right opportunities, and and that given the opportunities that that people will respond, and they do. And what happens when when we have one person in the program going through and doing the five star approach is that the other person then begins to reciprocate and that's called the law of reciprocation and it's it's not something i like to sell on the surface of it like oh here's how to manipulate everyone you know at work and get them to do what you want like that's not the sale however it, it is the byproduct so it's very interesting and it just seems like all of this kind of starts and ends with emo emotional intelligence is that a fair assessment and have you seen um, people's emotional intelligence grow through using these processes it it really does and um and the the trick to all of it is that it's designed for people who don't have that 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 ability if it's it's designed for people who are like man i just i don't know how to get a hold of this relationship i don't know how to to give them what they want i don't know how to connect with this person um and and I'm one of those people. You know, I I uh, I told you before that I'm I'm not the person who has like tons of natural charisma. I I walk into a room and I have to think really hard in order to read everybody. Um, and so for me, like this is a way that that helps me fill the gap between having emotional intelligence and being able to thrive in the workplace as if I did. There you go. Spoken from from the author himself. Um, Tyler, this has been a really interesting conversation, and we are going to have to have you back on 
uh, for a future episode uh, to kind of do a part two here because there's more questions I have, but we're running short on time. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, JW. And to my audience, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Be sure to check out some past episodes, and we'll see you on our next episode next week. Thank you so much, and always keep learning.